Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five from Santa Anita on Saturday, October 29th, 2022. This is show number 196, October 28th, 2022. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, Breeders' Cup entries are out. When yes. <laughs> When Sorry. can our listeners expect Breeders' Cup podcasts to drop? Now I'm talking about Sport of Kings podcasts. Yeah, well, we'll we're we're doing we do the preview show. We've we've done that for a few years now. It's been pretty popular. This week, I mean, this week and this year, we have Marcus Hirsch joining us on Sunday. So Sunday evening, hopefully, we'll drop a pod. We preview all the Breeders' Cup races. You know, it's we're just going to point out horses we think are, you know, probably the, the main contenders, maybe some live prices and maybe a vulnerable favorites, but we're not going through every horse in detail or anything like that. But, you know, one thing really good about Marcus is he follows all the foreign horses, which is all, you know, that's always a big challenge for anybody in the U S trying to handicap the Breeders' Cup races. So I'm really looking forward to hear what, um, Marcus has to say about those foreign horses. Plus, he's on track. He's there at Keeneland, and he's also really good at you know looking at the horse from a physical standpoint. And he's going to see all the final works and preparation. So, I think that'll be a really good podcast for you and I, as well as the listeners. I think we'll get a lot of good information. And then we do our um, our final pods for the Breeders' Cup. We're going to do those both for Friday and Saturday races, two different pods, but we'll record them both on Thursday and they should drop on Thursday afternoon or evening. And we have Duke Matisse helping us with the Saturday races and Paul Matisse with the Friday races. And uh, they were both on the show last year and had lots of good information and opinions. So a lot of good pod content from us, I think this week. And I'm really looking forward to um, hearing what you and the guests have to say because um, I'll be heading to Keeneland uh, in a few days to enjoy the Breeders' Cup live and really looking forward to that and the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. I'm hoping you know, to cash a few tickets, maybe turn a few opinions into some dollars and, and have some success there as well. So you have two entries to the BCBC, am I correct? Yes, I do. First time I've so, ever had that. So, so that means you will be betting fifteen thousand dollars. That doesn't include like bets outside the contest. <laughs> I don't know if you'll have any, but uh, fifteen thousand on the Breeders' Cup. How do you that's feel minimum. about? Yeah, yeah that's well. No, no, you're starting with fifteen thousand. I, I yeah, know, yeah. I know you're gonna bet. You're gonna turn over like a hundred thousand. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, but fifteen thousand. How do you feel about? 
spending that kind of money on this Breeders' Cup? Well, I haven't really had a chance to to dig into it yet, but I know just from watching the races all year long, there's some horses that I'm kind of looking forward to playing. So, like last year, I felt pretty good. I only had one entry, but um, I felt pretty good. And, you know, I definitely ended up betting more than $15,000 on a day or on the two days. Um, and so if it's a good week, a weekend, um, I'll be betting a lot more than 15,000 and who knows, maybe I'll bring home a lot more than 15,000, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, and also looking forward to seeing a few of these horses, especially like flight line, you know, to watch them live. It's one thing to watch them on television, to be able to get up close and see them either in the morning or in the afternoon. And I'm really looking forward to that part as well. So, um, you know, I'm pretty, pretty jacked up, but I haven't really had a chance to start thinking Breeders' Cup until we finish this podcast, and then it's going to be officially start getting ready for the Breeders' Cup time for me. The Sport of Kings pod is brought to you by Horse Racing Nation and its first-timer power ratings report, which ranks every debut runner in North America provides an edge because the top-ranked horses outperform both their off-odds and their morning line. Get the first-timer power ratings report at picks.horseracingnation.com. Late pick five from Santa Anita, starting with the sixth race. And the sixth race, it's all stakes today, this pick five. Uh, A lot of, uh, a couple of California-only California breads. Um, and that includes this very first race, which is the Golden State Juvenile Phillies, two-year-old Phillies going seven furlongs on the dirt, first of 175,000. What are you thinking? Well, since we don't have a guest and you never get to lead off, I was thinking I'd just let you you lead off for a change and hear what you have to say, and then I'll I'll bounce off that. Oh, that's kind of you. Well, um, <clears throat> okay. Uh I'm just going to say, I, you know, this is not an exciting race for me. I think Chismosa is a running machine. She not only has the fastest figs, but she's overcome trouble in her last two races. She was pinballed two races ago, and then she was slammed in her last. She still won those races. She's undefeated. The only negative I see is that she looked pretty tired after those races, and this is a seven furlong race. So I'm a little worried about that. And so I'm going to also try to use cast member. Um, but actually, so I'm used to going last. So, so that's why I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned more than one horse. So I'm just going to stop with Chismosa and, and let, you, uh, let you express your opinion. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's a little bit different when you go first and last. I'm not sure which is better, but it's different. Um, well, yeah, that Chismosa to me looks like a contender but i i'm not as high on that one as you are and like you did point out the the one race where she kind of had a challenge these are are these she's or he's these are he's she's she's yeah she had a, a challenge she she did respond and win but she didn't look really powerful on the gallop out at all so you know i don't know i mean she she could win but i i really like the horse the second horse you mentioned a cast member to me, that horse, its debut, it's only had one start, but it ran really well. It was 
kind of in a four horse battle for the lead. It was parked four wide all the way around and it, and it put those horses away and one with authority on debut for a barn that doesn't send them out cranked up. In fact, they typically do much better second time out. So, you know, this is that angle where you've got a horse that ran really impressive race on debut for a barn that um, you'd expect to see significant improvement second time out. And any improvement off that, I think, can beat Kismosa. And it drew the nice outside post. They actually entered it in a, a turf route, state bred stakes, and scratched out of that going a mile. But that does show you that they have you know, high expectations with this horse. And I think it's seven furlongs on the dirt's a, you know, a better way to go second start anyway, and has a good workout. So for me, that horse is at, at a probably a much better price is a lot more interesting. There's another horse I think is really dangerous and in terms of me a threat to the favorite, but I'll kick it back to you because you may have something else to say about this race. No, um, you know, I, I, I do like cast member ran solid debut, uh, was wide throughout and barely touched by the whip you know, looked, looked good. And I would use Chismosa and cast member and, and that's it. Um, interested in your other horse. Well, the other one I like is just inside, um, the, at sell the dream who's coming out of a couple of turf routes, but has a, a good dirt rat race in between some turf starts. And the, this trainer does not as a small sample, but in a handful of tries, this horse has won a couple times going from turf to dirt and cutting back and basically what it's doing here. Um, so this move is something they've tried with and had some success for within the past. And, you know, anytime a horse cuts back to seven furlongs, it's usually a good thing. You know, there, there's a little bit of question about turf versus dirt, but the breeding on this horse doesn't scream turf. And, you know, it's one dirt performance was right in line with its turf races. So, to me, those two horses, Sell the Dream, the Six, and Seven Cast member, are really big threats to Kismosa, um, who's probably going to be odds on. So I'm going to try to beat Kismosa in here with those two, probably lean more on Cast member, but um, try to beat the heavy favorite in the first leg of a short field uh, might create some value going forward. Okay, I was I was trying to I was trying to listen to Trevor Denman to uh, get the pronunciation. I think it I think you you do have the pronunciation correct at least according to him. Kismosa. Um, All right, just pure luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move to the seventh. It's the Twilight Derby, a Grade Two mile and an eighth on turf, purse of two hundred thousand for three year olds. Your turn this time. Well, you know, I'd like to start with a little story on here because there's a horse in this race that I'm very fond of, and that's the eight-horse speaking scout because he's the horse that won the Hawthorne contest for me. So I thought it would be some of the listeners might be interested in, you know, why is it that I was willing to bet a bunch of money on speaking scout um, and and win that contest because I think it's a really good example of of a horse who had really very good form. And I just happened to be luck out and have this horse pop up, you know, in the final race of a contest um, where you had to, you know, 
in, in a live bidding contest. So can I spend a couple minutes on why I like speaking scout going into his last race? Um, is that okay? <laughs> well, of course it's okay. Go ahead. All right. So, um, you know, this horse had a, a bunch of excuses and I, I won't go into lots of detail, but I'll just kind of run through them. The prior to his Hawthorne race, his race right before that was at Kentucky Downs. It was going a weird mile and five sixteenths distance. And at Kentucky Downs, that race starts right on the turn, basically. And he was parked really wide. You know, he drew an outside post. And it was Kentucky Downs. So lots of excuses there. He had a wide trip. He ran pretty well, actually. Kind of made a move, but he flattened out late, which you would kind of expect going longer than he wants to go and, you know, being parked wide. Plus, it's that weird uphill finish at Kentucky Downs. So to me, that race said he's in good form, but, you know, he's a lot better than seventh by eighth. You know, you've got beat eight links in there, but the result didn't tell the story. And in the race before that, they take took the race off the turf and he stayed in. Again, he, you know, he was forward replaced. He ran a decent race, but it was on the dirt. So you can kind of draw a line through that one, even though he was beaten 10 links. And then you go back, the third race and that one, he was fourth by four and that one I wasn't sure about. So I, I kind of just said, I, I got to go back and watch that race because, you know, it's not, there's not the obvious excuse, but the race prior to that was at Churchill where he drew the rail on that horrible Churchill course where the rail was just terrible. So that's another one you can basically excuse where he got beaten by 10 links and the race before that he had won. So. The only question mark was, well, what happened at Delaware Park in that start where he he lost? And I watched the replay of that, and it was like the most brutal trip I you can imagine for a horse to have. I mean, just tremendously bad piloting, you know, pilot error all around the track. He finally, at the very end, got a little bit of room to run, and he, he really accelerated and galloped out great. So, you know, that race was much, much better than it looked. So you had this horse which had completely buried form going back four or five races. And I knew he was in, in good form because his last race was pretty good, even though he got beat. So, you know, he was clearly the horse to beat, I thought. And I, because of his buried form, you know, he probably should have been the favorite. He was like nine to two, you know, and the rest is history. He won really easily. Um, but that just just goes to show that you can get these kinds of horses with really buried good form, especially in turf races. Uh, you just have to be patient, and when you get that opportunity, you got to cash in. And this was one of those times where I lucked out, and you know the horse popped up in at the right in the right race at the right time, and I was able to take advantage of it. Um, so that was my story, um, and I do think he's the one to beat in here but he's probably not the one to bet because the time to bet him was probably last time. But I won't tell you who I like in this one. I'll, since I've rambled for five minutes on my glory days at Hawthorne, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let you go first and then I'll, I'll come back. Okay. Finding a way to let me go first again. Um, yes. Okay. Well then I'm, I'm going to, I'll, the horse I landed on is Handy Dandy. He's always been fast on the turf. And in fact, he's nine for nine in the money on the turf. His last race was professional. 
And he's had good spacing since then. Uh, he's six to one. He's looking for his first stakes win. He's, you know, trained by Peter Miller, who can win stakes on the turf. Um, I mean, I think he might go off a little lower than six to one because he does get bet. Um, but that's the one I landed on. Um, now, I, you know, I, I don't love him. I think it's a pretty evenly matched race. So, so there are a few others that I will use, but I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I like your thinking there. I think that horse is definitely a contender. And, you know, to me, that horse looks as good as the favorite, who's, uh, you know, to me at five to two, Ward. See, you've got a, a horse of an outside post ridden by Mike Smith on the turf, and he's the favorite. You know, it's right away I start salivating when I see that. And, and if you look at the, you know, there's nothing about that horse that makes him stand out in this field. So I think he's definitely vulnerable. And I like, the horse you're picking, but I'm actually going to go with a bigger price. Uh, the horse he, he just beat by half a length and degree of risk, uh, the seven horse. Now, this horse has always been pretty good. Um, then something went wrong. He ran some really good races, uh, capped off with, you know, he, I think they ran him even in the Breeders' Let's see, was it? I think it was in the undercard on Breeders' Cup Day. They ran him in a race, which he ran pretty well. Um, and then something went wrong, and they laid him up. And his last was his second start off a layoff. And to me, that was a really good race in that he kind of uh, it was sort of a runoff leader. And so they were going pretty fast up front. And he was sort of in a group that, started chasing that, making them, you know, going after him a little bit early. And he was the widest of all in that group. Um, but he did chase that front runner down and passed him, but he got a little tired, understandably late um, and got beat by handy dandy. But I think now third off the layoff with a little better trip, you know, he could do much better. My only, you know, I might be a little bit concerned about, going a mile and an eighth he hasn't done that before but i think he's sitting on a good race and um you know he's been freshened up since then and i think he can turn the tail tables on handy dandy but i think handy dandy's also a contender as well well um i will uh, i will see your degree of risk as well i'm, I'm using that horse i'm also using two others uh cabo spirit and speaking scout and, um, you know, I like I just I think speaking scout is probably good enough to win again and won't be that much of a price. But at the same time, War of C is going to take a bunch of money. And uh, I'm, I'm against that one as well. Yeah, I think speaking scouts, the one to beat. And his last was really impressive. And he didn't get a big speed figure. But the reason he didn't get a big speed figure is they were going really slow early in that race. There's just no way final time he was going to earn a good figure um but like time form adjusts for those kinds of races um and you know he got a big bump because of that and is that actually his time form rating kind of towers over these other horses that he earned in that race so um i think that was better than the, the clock his last one so i agree with you totally speaking scout you know he's probably the one i would in the pick five, I would lean on the most. Um, 
I do like degree of risk and then handy dandy. And there's one sort of bomb in here I think you could consider, and that's the one horse seven wonders. He's kind of slow, but he's never had a good trip or even anything close to a good trip in his three lifetime starts. So it's really hard to to know how good he is. I mean, he was beaten by handy dandy pretty uh, convincingly last time, but he's had a miserable trip. So I, I don't know. I mean, this horse, if he ever gets it, maybe he's the kind of horse that's never going to get a good trip, but he draws the rail. And, um, you know, if he does actually get a good trip, I wouldn't be shocked to see him at least hit the board at a big price. And who knows, maybe he's good enough to win. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I looked at that horse, but I couldn't quite get there on him for, I, I forget the reason, but, um, <clears throat> I'm four deep. So I, I, I feel like I've got the race pretty, pretty well covered. <clears throat> the next race is the eighth race. It's the golden state juvenile. Seven furlongs on dirt for California red two-year-olds, uh, Colts and Geldings, and a purse of one hundred seventy-five thousand. I'm going to let you have this one first. Yeah, well, this one I, I'll take me like ten seconds. This is your single, the four giver, not a taker. Just completely lays over this bunch. Uh, I wouldn't try to get cute at all in here. I would just single this horse in the pick five um, and move on to the next race my only opinion <laughs> well i had that same opinion and the the only other horse that comes even close i think is and i'm, I'm interested in your opinion is uh Passarando, who is completely synthetic bred in a serious way but um you know but if somehow it can transform that you know let, let's say the giver not a taker Something happens because she did run a he, uh, he ran a, a pretty big figure two back. If something happened to that horse, um, what do you think about Passerando? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why anything could happen if Gibber not a taker doesn't win. Um, so I wouldn't talk you off that horse. I mean, no reason why, like you said, if it translates its synth form, it's run faster than anybody else. So he probably is the next most likely winner. So like if, if big if, if Giver, not a taker, you know, were to not run, then he could win. So don't, no doubt that he's probably the second best. Giver, not a taker, one to five? Yeah, probably. Probably does, I mean, no horse should be one to five, but if, if you know, it's just, you know, it, it's turf race. You just kind of toss out that last race and it's races other than that. were just much, much better than these. Okay. Well, <clears throat> we will move on then and we'll go to the ninth race. It's the Senator Ken Maddie stakes, six and a half furlongs on the downhill turf. Purse of a hundred thousand for Phillies mares, three-year-olds and up. I'll get it started. I'm not going to be, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who you you have in this race. I'm going to use both of them, but I'm going to put on top <clears throat> Connie Swingle. She's four for four on turf, three for three on the hill. Carries less weight than many of these um, because she's a three-year-old. She even stumbled a bit in her last and still won. She has speed to stay close. 
she's no value, but uh, I'm not really going against her. Although I am going to find a way. I, I, I've, 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 I figured out that I can play a, a pick five with all my picks, including a second horse in this race, um, for only for under fifty bucks. So uh, let's let's see if you landed on the horse that I like as the price horse. Yeah, the question is, should you single Connie Swingle? And we had this conversation the last time she ran, and I said she was the one horse in the sequence you should single. And she did win, but it was kind of, it was a little bit dicey at the end. Um, and, you know, all, all things you said, she's the, she's the one to beat, but I think there's definitely several horses in here that could beat her. Um, I think she's she's going to have, be, this is a much tougher field than she's been facing, and there are several that I could go for. Um, they're pretty evenly matched, the the ones I like, but I'm gonna put on top the 10 horse Aqua Seaform Shame. That's and, the horse. And if you're a Nirvana fan or you're from the Pacific Northwest, you probably know where that name came from. Uh, if not, you probably have no idea why a horse would be named Aqua Seaform. Shame. Well, I, I am a Nirvana fan, but I do not know the origin of that term. I don't know in what song that's in, but what is it? I think it's a, it's an album, right? I think it was. I don't album. believe they have a whole album called Aqua Seaform Shame. Oh. Okay, well, we'll have to look that up. I'm sure we'll get somebody will <laughs> send us a tweet telling us. Um, but anyhow, the horse has always been good. I mean, on the turf sprinting. It's always been good, even as a two-year-old, as a three-year-old, four-year-old. But it has some obvious physical issues that have created very gappy running lines. And it's never been down the hill because when it was running, they weren't running down the hill at Santa Anita's. But, so it's one at six and a half furlongs, but it's really never been down the hill. I don't think it's ever really been down the hill. So uh, that's I assumed a that of, that was down the hill, but um, I, I may be wrong. I'm pretty sure that it wasn't at the time it ran, but I'll have to check to verify that. But, you know, it has been six and a half. And at Santa Anita, when you go six and a half, when you're not down the hill, you still got to cross over dirt. You just don't go down the hill, but you got to cross over the dirt and, and it's, you know, distance is similar. So anyway, I think the distance won't be a problem. At second off a layoff, it's comeback race, I thought was pretty good. It did have a little bit of trouble. Um, but second off the layoff, it's a good sign that it's making a second start <laughs> in the grouping. Uh, it doesn't get a chance to do that. Uh, last time it didn't. Um, so hopefully that's a sign that this horse is ready to, you know, break through and run a career best. I'd expect to see a good effort. Even a repeat of its last isn't, you know, it wouldn't be impossible in here, but I, I expect to see better. And it drew that nice outside post, which is a good place to be going down the hill. Has tact, you know, positional speed, doesn't need to be on the lead. So a lot to like, I think, with that one. But I, that's not the only one I think has a chance to beat Connie, Connie Swing, Swingle either. So we'll see if you have any other opinions in this race. Okay. Well, I was just looking it up, and, and that Aqua Sea Form Shame is a lyric in a song called All Apologies by Nirvana, to so you know. All right, well, all apologies then. <laughs> all apologies. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, where were where were we? <laughs> did you have any? Sorry, other did you did you mention any other horses besides that? Not one? not yet. I was gonna let you weigh in if you had some. No, those were the, those were my only two. Those are my two uses. Uh, right. So tell me who else you like. I, I know there's a couple others that have close numbers, but I'm only interested in those two. Well, another horse I like is Stella Noir, who once they started, they moved her to the turf. She she really improved, um, ran a really good race down the hill early in the year. For some reason, they wanted to stretch her out, and that knocked her out, and she came back after taking the summer off and she's had a couple starts um her last you know they weren't great but they weren't bad the first one off the bench was only going five furlongs which i think is too short i thought she'd run better in her last but you know maybe she just still needed one more race now third off a layoff um she again drew on the out near the outside and um you know, she runs back to her best race down the hill. She could definitely win. And she's another that'll be a big price. She's 15 to 1 in the morning line. And then the other horse I think could beat um, Connie Swingle is the nine horse, Amy C., who has been primarily a router on turf, but her only um, sprint was really good. And she won, so she's unbeaten down the hill. Now she cuts back, comes in fresh for, you know, D'Amato, who's, you know, kind of the king of the turf out there at Santa Anita. You won't get a big price in there. She'll be the second choice behind Connie Swingle, but she certainly could could beat her too. She has room to improve. So to me, those three outside horses all capable of beating Connie Swingle, who might be, you know, even money given her record. So... I'm going to try to beat her in the pick five as well. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, che I'm checking out uh, Stella Noir. And, and this, is a, this is a horse that has a lot of excuses, uh, uh, much like um, uh, speaking, Scout. speaking Scout. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you look back at, if you look back at all the, the, the numbers, starting with the win on the hill, so the win on the hill, then the next race doesn't appear to have an excuse, but also didn't run badly. The next race was a two-turn stake, a two-turn race at Santa Anita. Um, and then then uh, also had a, another two-turn race where she took up. Then in the next race was off slow, took took some time off. And then in the last two races was against the flow in both races, um, the racingflow.com flow uh, numbers. So really does have an excuse in one, two, three, four, five, five races, five races out of six. And the sixth race could have just been a reaction to a new top in the win on the hill. So, so I'll go ahead. I'll add Stella Noir. Yeah, I like that. You, 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 that's good info. I was trying to, Give her. I thought she would have run better. Her last time I actually played her in that race, I didn't really have an excuse for. Her, other than she was kind of wide, but I like the fact that the flow numbers say she was against the flow too. So that's two reasons. So that's that's enough for me to say, yeah, she's probably sitting on a big race here, and she has you know a win down the hill. So fifteen to one, she's definitely that makes me feel better. Um, I'm glad you gave me that little info on the. Uh, 
the flow data from that last race. That's <clears throat> that's what we're here for. Uh, a little bit of info. So the next race is the tenth race. It's an autumn. It's it's the autumn mistakes grade three mile on the turf purse of a hundred thousand for three year old fillies. Your turn to get us started. Well, this one I'll kind of. This has got me um, into kind of Breeders' Cup mode because there's a, a shipper from Europe and going to have to be looking at a lot of those for the Breeders' Cup. And that's the one horse in the debt. Um, for, to me, you know, this horse, she's been running in group stakes in, you know, France. And I know this is a group three in, in California, but a group three in California is like not anything comparable to group three in France. And, you know, she uh, was very competitive over there. Um, she actually even ran in a group one. Uh, she got kind of clobbered, but that was going 10 furlongs, which I think was too long for her. And she probably was just in over her head. But other than that, her recent races in Europe probably all are good enough to tower over this field, I think, um, including over that favorite who I think is going to be a big underlay Cairo memory. So uh, that's another horse with Mike Smith on the outside post on the turf will be the favorite. So, you know, I think Nadette is really, really strong here. Um, heavy lean in the pick five and definitely playable at anything close to that six to one morning line. There's some live bombers in here too, but from a pick five, you know, I'm going to lean a lot on the one trying to beat the, the 10. I think she's a much better horse and she draws the rail and she gets Rispoli and like she's just coming off the plane. It's not like, I don't know if she's going to stay here, but I mean, she's been running recently, you know, she's only like a month or so since her last race. So um, it's a lot like a Breeders' Cup horse coming in to run here. So this is not Breeders' Cup caliber, but relative to this field, I think she kind of has a big class edge. So I'm all, all on the one, the debt. Okay, well, I, I like Nadette. I will use Nadette. Um, in fact, I'm I'm six deep in this race. But the horse I'm going to pick on top is this is a this is kind of like like a, a pick I had a few weeks ago when we played Santa Anita. That was what makes Sammy run. It was just as fast as uh, many of the others, but was going to be the highest price and won the race at eighteen and he won. one. Yeah, yeah, he won it, and and and. Um, so, so my what makes Sammy run in this race is Lucky Girl. She's about as fast as these, but she's twenty to one. Two back, she pulled. She, you know, the comments that she pulled, she had the lead, and that's not where she wants to be. Uh, I did not watch that race, um, but you know, that was enough. I didn't really feel like I needed to because you could see from the past performances that she's never on the lead. In her last, she was bumped after the start and was way back in last. Closed mildly, very wide, but like she had that excuse because she she was bumped and she was way back there. Uh, Saturday, she'll be looking for more of a stalking trip. And um, I think if she gets that stalking trip, which she should, uh, you know, she's certainly going to be value enough to, to hope for that. Um, she's my pick in this race. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I, it, she had a little bump, but she just had a, a, a no-chance ride. I mean, that rider just tugged her to the back and gave her absolutely no chance in that race. And there's just no 
no reason for her to be way back like that. That was just a horrible, no chance trip. You know, and, and <laughs> sixteen lengths back at the quarter, behind. Uh, well, it, uh, the 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 fraction is forty nine eighty nine for the half, and with and and at that point it was fifteen lengths back, fifteen lengths back behind an almost fifty half. Uh, she had no chance in that race. Yeah, and she was overmatched. I mean, that was a group grade one with Spinderella and uh, it was a mile and eighth. I think, you know, she's probably better at this mile distance and, you know, her trip is to stock, not to drop way back, you know, and at a mile, she's got some really good races to run back to, Um, you know, and that prior race, she kind of had the opposite problem. She's not, you know, like you said, she doesn't want to be on the lead and they had her on the lead for one race, which was dumb. That was not a smart ride. And then they took her passively far back in the next race. I mean, it's kind of schizophrenic. So both of those races, it was pilot error or ta- or, or a tactical error from the barn. Uh, I would expect to see her revert back to kind of her normal stocking mid-pack trip, going the distance that she wants to be. So I agree, you know, she's a live bomber in here. One of a couple of live bombers, I think. Um, so we're on the same page there. Owned by Panic Stable. <laughs> they panicked in the last two, I think. <laughs> uh, so the, another long shot I'll toss into the mix. Although of the long shots, I do like Lucky Girl better just because, you know, the fact that she hasn't really been given a chance at the kind of trips that she needs to excel. So doesn't mean she'll get it this time, but you got to hope that they're not going to do anything stupid, you know, three times in a row. So we'll see. Um, but the other horse, I thought well, there's two other ones. So I'll just give you one because you said you were going deep in there. So I'll let you uh, talk about someone else that you might like. But um, uh, let's see, which one should I go with? Um, what's more interesting? I'll go with the two Tesere as the, the one I'll talk about and let you have the other one. You know, Tesere has really looked pretty good in all her all three of her starts uh this year. And her last, for some reason they cut her back down the hill, which I don't really think makes sense for this horse, but it had just a, a really bad trap trip, lots of trouble. I mean, and still only got beat a couple of links. So, you know, that was in that Connie Swingle race. And, you know, now they stretch back out to a mile, which is probably the right distance for this horse. You know, if you look at, at a mile, this horse has got a couple wins. Uh, the race b- before that last sprint was a mile and eighth, which might be a little too far for this one. That was that same Delmar Oaks that we talked about that Lucky Girl was in. You know, she ran a respectable race in there, only was beaten six links by Spinderella, who won by four and a half. So, you know, she wasn't she wasn't very far back behind the favorite in here, Cairo Memories at all. I mean, she was like, I think beating the neck by Cairo Memories in that race. So uh, you know, she's going to be a, a price in here as well. And there's no reason why she couldn't beat Cairo Memories or maybe everybody else. Although I think Nadette is going to be the one to beat, not Cairo Memories. 
Okay, well, I'll I'll throw in one other long shot. Uh, I am I am using Tesserae. That's one of my six. Um, the other long shot that I'm interested in, and I, I think some of the others uh, that I'm going to use could go off high prices too, but Lady Clementine is 20 to 1 morning line and only has two turf races, and one of those is a win, and the other one... The other one, no no factor, but it was also a grade one stake. And those are the those are the only two races. And since then has a best five furlong work, you know, that since she's been in the US has her best five furlong work. And she's twenty to one. Um, Joe Bravo with this trainer, Papa Dromo. Papa Dromo. Papa Pro Dro Papa Pro <laughs> You're missing a I, syllable. There. I just always call him Papa. I don't. I don't try to go past those first two syllables. Okay. Well, this will be the second Papa horse that I have today. Um, I, the the other one was um, was Lucky Girl. So so hopefully uh, he'll have a good day. Um, but I'm also just just for the record, I will also be using Pammy's Ready, who ran a pretty bang up race last race and galloped out better than Connie Swingle. And um, Rhea Moon, who might go off higher price than her six to one morning line. Yeah, I, I mean, we we kind of see this race a little bit differently. A lot of the similar things. I agree with you on Lady Clementine. To me, the the three bombers that are, um, you know, live in here are the two Tesere, the five Lucky Girl, and the seven Lady Clementine. Of those three. Probably the shortest price will be Tesere, but I think it's also the one most likely to run well because, I mean, like I said, it had a brutal trip last time, and the race before that, they were all in the same race, and and Tesere, you know, the others may have had excuses too, but, you know, Tesere did beat them all by quite a bit and was only a neck behind Cairo Memories, and it draws the inside, so... You know, of those long shots, I kind of would pick Tesere if I had to pick a winner among those three. But for betting purposes, I'm going to be, you know, keen on the one. I think the one really lays over these. Pick five, almost all my money would go through the one with a backup with those long shots, probably. Um, I, I just think for me, you know, the, where we have a big difference of opinion, I think Nadette is much the best in here, or as you're kind of seeing it as a toss-up race. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. To me, Nadette is just one of the horses. Um, you know, she could win by five lengths, and uh, I'll be proved wrong, but I'll have her. So, yeah, and she's not going to be the favorite either. But by keen on her here and not spreading, and having you know, a, you know, just a complete single, I can make a pretty tight ticket and have some long shots um, tossed in those other legs. Where I think the favorites are really vulnerable. So let's go through the favorites like we did last week. Um, which is the most vulnerable favorite of Cairo Memories, Connie Swingle, Give Her Not a Taker. Let's just we both agree Give Her Not a Taker is the most likely winner. So take don't don't include that one. But um uh, well, let's see. I, I would I would, you know, I think the most likely horse to lose is the ten Cairo. In the 10th, Cairo Memories, you know, eight to five morning line carries top weight, 
high, more weight than any other horse in the race at 124 pounds and starts from the 10 hole with Mike Smith. So that one's the most likely to lose. And then the next one most likely to lose is War at Sea, who's in the nine hole with Mike Smith. Yeah, I'd flip them. I'd say War at Sea. I think speaking scout trounces War at Sea. Um, and there's a bunch of others that could beat him. So I think he's more vulnerable than Cairo um, memories. But there's not a big difference there. But I would flip those. But I agree, those are the two weakest ones. And then, you know, you probably think Connie Swingle's the strongest after, um, you know, the obvious one. I probably agree with that, which would leave Kismosa, who you like more than I do. So I think that one's kind of weak too. So um I I think there's a lot of weak favorites in this sequence. Um so you don't necessarily have to hit bombs to get a good payout. Um just all you gotta do is beat you know two or three of those favorites which I think is very doable, especially when Mike Smith is on two of them in an outside post on the turf. I mean that's like a gift. <laughs> well don't forget my my, my old nickname for him, I, and I stopped using it because because he he didn't seem as bad, uh, re, you know, the last few years. But I used to call him Mike Five Wide Smith, and um, you know, he 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 if he's on the if he's on the outside, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna stay out there. Yeah, especially on a horse that's not a dead send horse or not a drop back, he's gonna probably be parked. You know, third or fourth, three or four wide. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, I mean, Ward that- C could, you know, could try to clear. She she does like to run near the lead. Yeah, but so does Cairo Memories. But I mean, Ward C, there's some other speed inside, right? You know, Gojo one, perfect flight. They both have speed, even degree of risk of speed. So I I, I don't see him clearing. Um, probably more likely to clear with Cairo Memories, but I don't think they will. I mean, Pammy. Was that Pammy's ready and Graceland Gray? Hopefully those two go. So, you know, hopefully he's sitting three wide, chasing those two. But I mean, the chances of him winning both those races seem pretty slim. So, uh, you know, maybe he wins one of them. I think he loses them both. I'm probably going to play it that way. But you know, that's what you want in the pick five is some vulnerable overbet favorites and a couple of horses that you like that aren't favorites that you can lean on. So for me, you know, that's Nadette and Speaking Scout, um, you know, those two aren't favorites, but I think they're much better than the favorite and they're better than everybody else in the race. They don't lay over the field. Although I, you know, I, I guess I really do think Nadette's going to win this in a gallop, but I could be wrong. I mean, I just think she's much better than these, uh, you know, a uh, legit, a group horse from France in a, in this race just should crush, but we'll see. That's why they run the race. Yeah. Yeah. The race says, and that's, that's why it's hard to hit the pick five because it's hard to get, get it right on five different races. Um, any other plays on the card? I'll give a, not on that card, but I will give, I did look at a couple other races. Um, so I'll give a spot play on a horse. At Keeneland in the Haggard Fayette Stakes, Um, the big favorite probably be first captain, but there's a lot of other horses that'll take money. King Fury's in that race, and I've always thought this horse has had talent. 
and he's going second off the layoff in a race where he had some trouble, and he still ran pretty well behind Hot Rod Charlie and Rich Strike last time out. Um, and it's Ken McPeak at Keeneland, who his horses always seem to outrun their odds at Keeneland. Um, and if he, you know, runs back to his best races, he can win for sure. And you know, there's no reason to think, you know, this is that second off a layoff for a four-year-old that he shouldn't run a big race. Like I said, his his comeback wasn't bad at all. So he's eight to one. You probably get eight to one. I think he's a good bet in a six-horse field at Keeneland. The the ninth race at a mile and an eighth, the Haggard Fayette Stakes. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to make it a spot play because I haven't looked at the numbers on this race, but I. I did note in in sort of my prep for the Breeders' Cup, I watched the Hot Rod Charlie race, and um, King Fury, uh, he, although he was soundly beaten, he was he galloped out right up to the leaders at the end of the race. So that was a positive. Yeah, and that was awful layoff, right, against some good horses. So you would think he'd get a lot out of that race. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could say it's third off a layoff, but it was it was six weeks since his previous race, so. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. It depends on what, you know, the meaning of layoff right. is. In fact, yeah, no. In fact, I thought he was he was the one I thought was the the value in that race. And he had some trouble. So I think that was what kept him from running his best. So now I think, you're right, this is third off the layoff, not second off the layoff. I was thinking back to when I bet him last time, he was second off the layoff. And I was disappointed because he he didn't win. But I thought he ran better than it looked. And now this is the time where he could probably break through with a big race this year. Okay. All right. Great. Well, uh, nice, short, and sweet podcast before the breeders cup don't forget we'll be dropping a pod with marcus hirsch with uh covering the breeders cup main contenders uh or you know every race several contenders we'll we'll see how that goes i think usually that runs two hours that show (laughs) let's let's see if that's what happens on sunday but um looking forward to that and um i want to thank my co-host for doing this pod without a guest and still doing it without a guest. And <laughs> I'm just so used to thanking somebody at the end of the podcast. Well, you can thank Marcus in advance for um, agreeing to, to share his wisdom about the Breeders Cup uh, with us on Sunday. I'd like to thank Marcus Hurst for joining us on <laughs> Sunday in advance. All Hopefully, right. well, we'll I see agree. if he's listening to this pod. We'll see. We'll see if yeah. he. Uh, I responds. seriously doubt it. He's probably busy watching horses and writing stuff up. Yes, uh, he, he's 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 watching and writing. So, so that will conclude show number one ninety six of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at Santa Anita and wherever else you play, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sports Cheers. Giddy up.